So I wanted to talk today about the I that is we. Why is the we factor important in practice? Mainly because the I is a very limited view. The Tibetans say that seeing the world through the sense of self is like looking at the sky through a straw. Very limited view. And it's a very fractured view also because we're only seeing just a part. When we look at the world through the sense of self, we're only seeing uh, one part of what is. So starting to bring this idea of we-ness into practice or more into practice than you have is a way of opening up a wider view, a, a wholer view than that fractured view of I, me, and mine. Actually, the word isolation has the word I in it, isolation. So building the we, I think of, I like to think of this talk as like building the we spirit. Like, I don't know if when, when I was younger, we had these things called pep rallies where you would like build the team spirit. So in a way, what we're trying to do as in a, as a song is we're building this we spirit. We're building this spirit of practice together, this team spirit. And just looking at the different ways we can build this we spirit. One way is to look at intentions. Intentions are, they're a powerful thing. And as I mentioned earlier, the Buddha said that all of our actions rest on the tip of intention. But intentions have their own power, and that's why I like to think of them as, in a way, they're the first step in we-ness. So you personally might make an intention, right? But then there's, a, there's another quality, kind of like a third thing, that actually ends up manifesting that intention. I don't know if you've ever tried the experiment of writing, like, say, things that you want to accomplish in the next five years, and then you write them on a piece of paper and put them away somewhere. And then you find them years later, and most of them have come to pass through no effort on your own part. Possibly, in part, just because of the power of that intention. And when we set an intention, we set something in motion, and it has its own power. It's like a third thing, a we thing. Also, I like intentions because sometimes when we set them, then we can just, you know, let our, put our mind at ease and stop obsessing about something. While we've made that intention, we can let it go. And part of intention is uh, karma is supposedly affected by intention. You know, the intention with which you do something affects your karma and what happens as a result of that action. Depending on the intention, the karma can change. And we, we have a we quality to karma that's not also talked about. It's that we have our personal karma, right? And then we have this collective karma of, you know, how we all come together at any moment in time. You know, we're all converging, especially like all of us, you just look at all of us in this room. All our personal karma is converging into an, an us quality. 
When you're in relationship with someone, even as a friend, even as a collective group here, there's an us quality that gets created. It's not just you. So the us quality of this group today, it's one of sincerity, of dedication. This is a very kind of kind group, sincere, hardworking. You know, so there's an us quality that gets created. When you're with a friend, there's an us quality that gets created with that friend. When you're in a relationship, there's a, there's a third quality, a we quality, with anyone, even with a clerk in a store. And knowing what that is and, and focusing on that, we, we focus so much on the I quality. How am I in relationship to that person? And starting to think, what, what is the us quality? So we're looking at the interrelationship of all things. And interrelation, focusing on the interrelation, is another way to strengthen the we factor. And even science really, uh, you know, sees this interrelationship. You might have heard there's a, uh, a man named Edward Lorenz, and he talked about the butterfly effect. It's the idea that a butterfly flapping its wings in Brazil can create a tornado in Texas just by this power of how everything interrelates, that a butterfly flapping its wings can change enough conditions to create a storm somewhere thousands of miles away. And even Darwin, you know, Darwin is so well known for talking about, you know, kind of the survival of the fittest and this idea of the, you know, the strength of the I, right? We can be really, you know, strong, we can survive. But actually, he said a lot about collaboration and a lot about the we factor. He actually said, in the long history of humankind and animal kind too, those who learned to collaborate most effectively have prevailed. It's a very different stance than survival of the fittest. Those who learned to collaborate were the ones that prevailed. The we factor, those who knew the we factor and knew how to incorporate this collaboration. You know, and how well are we doing with that as a human species? Our spiritual fitness and evolution depends on this Moving the eye to the we. It's not getting rid of the eye, it's including the we factor. I'm not sure who said this, but I, I heard a quotation the other day. They said, Nothing we do, however virtuous, can be accomplished alone. Therefore, we are saved by love. Nothing we do, however virtuous, can be accomplished alone. Therefore, we are saved by love. You know, you just look at this human body, and there's incredible collaborative effort going on right now for you to see, for you to hear. And the brain sending a signal to, you know, from the eye to the brain when you write. When you move your hand, there's this incredible collaboration of cells and signals. 
It's really truly a miracle of weeness if you look at this human body. And the amazing thing about cells is each one, you know, it, they're like holograms. I don't know if you've read, there's a wonderful book called The Heart's Code by Paul Persall, and he was a, a surgeon, a heart surgeon, and he talked about how when they would transplant the heart of someone who had died into a donor or, or somebody who needed the heart, the donor heart into somebody who needed it, that that heart would carry the qualities of the person who it had belonged to. So the person who received the, the donor heart would have start ha- taking on the characteristics of the person they had given the heart. They would start to like, you know, the same kind of music and want to eat the same kind of food and even use the same types of words that that person had used, phrases that maybe that person had never even used before. And they're starting to see more and more that that the cells carry the memory of the whole being, one cell. So the heart transplanted carried the memory of the whole person. In Hawaii, they do a lot of research with whales. And um, they're finding that whale songs are the most complex songs on the face of the earth. And each whale has its own individual song that changes constantly as it's in interaction with other whales. But it has its own individual song. But the whales as a collective have their own song. And all the whales across the whole uh, world, have this collective song that they're working on together. So they have their individual songs and their collective song. They have a collective song at any one time that they're changing and working on together. It's so complicated. I saw this for myself one day when I was... uh, I was working with an Aboriginal elder in Australia. And we were doing a ceremony, and part of that ceremony was singing a song together that we did uh, for several hours. And uh, we each, we were in four groups, and each group had its own part of the song. And we were only to sing our part. We weren't singing the whole song. We were just singing one part. And at one point, a couple hours into the song, I saw that that as I was singing the part, the whole song was there. I was singing the whole song and the part at the same time, and it literally blew my mind. I cried for like days after that. I couldn't stop crying. There was something I, I saw to the to my bones that there is no separation. And that when we do our one thing, it is all of it at the same time. It's like the whale song. So I have no doubt in the weeness. So this building of this team spirit that I'm talking about, you can see it in the word Dharma. The Buddha talked about Dharma. And there's Dharma with a capital D, which means the teachings of the Buddha. And then there's Dharma with a small d, which means all that is, everything. The literal translation in Pali is that which upholds the ground, the ground of things, that which upholds. 
So there's this, the Buddha paid attention to this thing that, that the essence of all that is, Dharma, it's all here. And you can see it right now. There's, there's an aliveness to everything that is, to every person in this room, to even this table. You know, this is a tree, this chair, this piece of metal was a rock in the earth. There's an aliveness to everything. That's the Dhamma happening through all of us. And to focus on that aliveness, remembering that, taking refuge in that. You know, sometimes I think about, like, who grows your hair? You know, there's this, there's this thing happening, this Dhamma happening all the time. Who grows your nails? Who beats your heart? We talked earlier about being breathed. So you're being breathed. We're all being breathed at the same time. Like, what is that? Noticing that. Noticing that quality that's, that's always here, that's always operating. We get so focused on the we that we forget about this, this third thing, this Dhamma. We get very caught up in this I view. What can I get out of this? What can I get out of my practice? How can this benefit me? You know, there's nothing wrong with that view, but just, as I said, opening up, making a wider view. You know, most other cultures really see this quality, as Christy talked about, this generosity, but this we quality is seen well in other cultures. In the Hawaiian greeting is aloha kaua. How are we? How are we? So when you greet someone, you don't say, how are you? You say, how are we? How is our collective spirit together? It's a beautiful way of greeting someone. Well, how are we? <laughs> it's that sense of you're in conjunction with another. You know, face it, life is a we program. And we think that we want to make it into an I thing, but it's a we thing. It has to be. I'm in a program, uh, in a group where people work with um, eating issues. And uh, there was one point a member of my group uh, lost 100 pounds. And it was very beautiful the way, uh, and she's kept that weight off for many years. And it's very beautiful. She talks about it. She says, we lost 100 pounds. She always comes to group and she said, we lost 100 pounds. It was just so beautiful. She, I couldn't have done this without the group. I, I never was able to do it alone. It's that sense of that we-ness. You know, our day of practice together, our insights. My teacher Ajashanti says, if you want to see your true body, just open your eyes. Everything your eyes land upon, that's your true body. Your real body is the whole universe. Wonderful way of seeing it, right? Your true body. Sometimes when I swim in the ocean, I, I feel that, you know, because the, the water is 
is an easy quality to see the connectivity of everything. So I see, wow, there's this one body of all the animals in the ocean and myself and the coral. We're all connected. You want to see your true body, just open your eyes. Your real body is the whole universe. So we're waking up together. When one of us sits here, when one of you has a daily sitting practice, that helps all of us. Even if you don't sit, when you know someone else is sitting, there's that we spirit, that team spirit, and then maybe you'll sit the next day. So really what we're doing together, each one individually helps us all. When one of us wakes up and has an insight, it benefits us all. And this is the Bodhisattva vow. They talk about this a lot in the Tibetan tradition. So remembering that you're not doing this alone when you sit every day or you come here for a, a day-long retreat. In the Native American tradition, when you fast, my husband's done many, many fasts, and he was telling me, the fasting is not for you. When you take a five-day five fast and you suffer and you're out in the desert, it's, it's seen as you're doing it for your people. You're doing it for your community. And anything you learn, you're bringing back for your community. So reflecting on this idea and what we're doing here is for all of us. And the last way you can build this team spirit of we is through service. Through paying attention to the practice of service. And this isn't the kind of giving where you, you know, it's the I giving and you wear yourself out and you're overcommitted to 10,000 things in a week. This is a grounded, present service where you see that what you do is for you and everyone else at the same time, this idea of the one part being the whole. And again, in the Hawaiian culture, they have this thing called ho'oponopono. It's the idea that when we serve others, when we help others heal, we're making things right for ourselves. And they actually believe that when someone comes to you for healing, that they're coming to you because you have, if somebody, say, comes to you because they have anxiety problems or something, it's because you need to heal anxiety. It's all about you, they believe. So Kathy and I are in trouble because <laughs> we have lots of people that come to us with lots of problems. <laughs> but it's all about, it's that you need to heal that. And they say actually the best healers in Hawaii are out fishing. They don't have any clients. Because <laughs> they're healed. There's nothing that nobody needs to come to and create a projection of their own healing for. <laughs> it's a very interesting concept. <laughs> so I should speed up my retirement. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it shows that we create, in this culture, we create a duality with service, don't we? We create this idea of I'm the healer and you're the one being healed. And, you know, sometimes I get something out of it. Yeah, whatever. We do the pseudo thing, right? You know, well, I get something. But really seeing that you, the healer, the person being healed, one in the same, one in the same process.
No duality there. Not making service linear. You know, when you really think about it, you're, you know, each one of us as an individual is made up of many acts of service. You know, none of us would be here if somebody hadn't taken care of us as a child. Many, many acts of service in raising a child. You know, those of you who are parents know. Millions of acts of service. You know, this building being here, millions of acts of service. So really, you know, our complete, our life is completely dependent on service. If you truly want to embody the Dharma, learn about service. It's a very, very deep practice, and I'm just only beginning to understand a tiny bit. Dogen says, to forget yourself is to know yourself. To know yourself is to be awakened by the 10,000 things. So that sense when we serve, we forget ourselves and we're awakened into the 10,000 things. And service doesn't have to be really big stuff. You don't have to be Mother Teresa or Gandhi. You know, oftentimes when we think about service, we think of something really big. One woman that I work with over the phone, she talked about how she lives in a condominium complex. And she talked about how uh, one day she noticed that a man that's lived in her condominium complex complex for a long time. He was, uh, he takes care of the community manholes and he rakes the leaves in the community spaces and he's been, she realized he'd been doing that for years and she'd never noticed, but he just silently on his own through no, um, payment was taking care of all these, this community space, making sure that the sewers didn't overflow. So it's a good thing to think about what's the we space here. You know, just being in the bathroom and the paper towels were overflowing in the wastebasket and pushing it down. You know, that's part of our we space, that bathroom, right? And you know, often there's a grumbling like, well, how come nobody did this? How come nobody changed the toilet paper? You know, when we think about we space, we get a little bit irritated, like somebody else should be doing it. But what if we were to approach the we spaces in our life with the same dedication that this man in this condo complex did? Just like, it's a we space. We're all taking care of our, our individual spaces, yes, but we need to think about this we space and take care of it. The we space of our physical environment, of this us that gets created as a group, and of our practice together, too. And just for a moment, you know, how, how could you take care of the we spaces in your life a little better? What's maybe one small thing you could do? Something in your community, on your street, in this sangha, 
What's a way that we can serve the we? This is our great gift as a human being. I was speaking with a woman who I've worked with for many, many years, body worker, and she said, our greatest gift as a human being is our ability to connect. And some of us, you know, we, we do that to different degrees and not to judge that, but to really see, she was talking about even hermits, you know, it's that sense that we all need to connect. That's our greatest gift, that, you know, to offer each other love, the, the metta, the loving kindness we did today, to connect somehow, even in a small way. This is the essence of our practice. And, you know, we're sitting on a cushion quietly all day long so we can learn to connect better, right? With ourselves and with others. Again, it's that hologram as you learn to connect with your own heart. You learn to connect with everyone. You know, on my first retreat, I mean, often practice, you know, self-knowledge is not good news. And uh, in my first retreat, you know, you get to see all the difficulties of your own heart, you know, that you can you can feel very, um, just the opposite of loving kindness to a lot of people. But it's just willing to face that and just go, okay, that's all right. And then when you see in others, you can face it. We can have more connectivity in our one body. I remember being on a retreat with Thomas Keating. Uh, he's a Trappist monk. And he was saying, he goes, I just don't understand this war thing. He goes, it's like one hand deciding to hit and kill the other hand. He goes, it makes no sense. You realize you're one body. Like, why would one hand want to destroy the other hand? Why would we not want one hand to recognize the other, to be connected? Like Darwin said, it's a collaborative effort. It's through collaboration. On the physical plane, on the spiritual plane, that we truly survive. Not That we not just survive, but that we thrive. So I'd like to end with a short little story about this concept of we. It's an Indian story from India. In a certain village there was a statue of a saint. The arms of the statue were stretched out. At the foot of the statue were written these words, Come into my arms. After many years, the statue lost both arms. This troubled the villagers that come into my arms could still be read. Some of the people suggested, let us erect a new statue. Others disagreed and said, no, let us restore the old statue and give it new arms. An old man came forward and said, don't fight over this. People were arguing about it. There is no need for new arms or a new statue, he said. The others asked, in that case, what would be the meaning of the words that are written on the statue come into my arms? 
The old man replied, That's no problem. Just add a few words below those words saying, I have no other arms than yours. My arms work through yours. Come into my arms. I have no other arms than yours. My arms work through yours. We hold each other. We don't do it alone. And even, you know, when we're giving and we lose our arms and our capacity to help each other through, you know, for whatever reason we lose that ability, then our arms all work through each other. And they're doing that now anyway. It's the willingness to receive that, to see that, to know that, to practice that. So let's sit for a minute. 